welcome to this week's message from a new church. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our website, newchurch.nz. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this message. Just want to finish off our little two-part mini-series this week all about New Year's resolutions. I'm huge on New Year's resolutions, um, as, I, as I shared last uh, year, uh, sorry, last week, <laughs> last year as well, uh, for 2022. I just really want to have a personal revival myself, but also simply just to do what God wants me to do. And I think that's probably the best uh, Scenario: the best New Year's resolution we can, we can have is simply to, to please God, to do what He requires of us. And is there a verse in the Bible that actually spells out what God requires of us? There is actually, it's in the book of Micah in the Old Testament. And uh, although it was written in a different culture thousands of years ago, 750 to 750, uh, 700 BC, um, it's so relevant for today. So Micah was a prophet of God. Um, to the Israelite nation at a time where they were living um, in, the, in the blessings of the previous generations that had followed God, but they had allowed compromise uh, into their lives and uh, so much so that they threw all moral, morals out the window. They started to embrace wickedness and it was quite a dark time. A lot of uh, a gray, a lot of compromise, a lot of backsliding. And then God raised up Micah to be able to be his, his voice into that generation because God loves all generations and He's always uh, desperate to, to call us back to Him, even if we're far, far away. So uh, it's very, very relevant for today, Micah chapter 6. Um, especially for New Zealand, because we're very much like uh, the times that, that Micah was around in, you know, living off the blessings of previous generations, a lot of compromise now, people are embracing wickedness. So I just want to share again, Micah 6, verses 6 to 8. What can we bring to the Lord? Should we bring Him burnt offerings? Should we bow before God most high with offerings of yearling calves? Should we offer Him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins. So they're asking, you know, what do we need to do? How are we going to please God? And then it says verse eight, which is so awesome. No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what He requires of you. This is what God requires of us, to do what is right, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. To do what is right, to love mercy and to walk humbly with God. Your God. It's really simple, but it's very, very powerful. And all of us as sons and daughters of God, if we could uh, make that our, not our, just our New Year's resolutions, but our life resolution, I think it would be absolutely phenomenal. So last week, we looked at doing what is right, doing the right thing. It's not just a moral code. It's, it's being able to, to hear and, and to listen, wait upon the Lord uh, and, to, and to ask Him, what is the right uh, thing to do in, in a given situation? Sometimes the right thing to do is the most difficult thing to do. Sometimes the right thing to do will hurt someone. That's why uh, human nature, we always want to put it off. But we know, like I said last week, um, doing the right thing will always hurt everyone less in the long term. So doing the right thing is incredibly important. And loving mercy, which is hesed, I think, in, in the Hebrew, can't quite pronounce it right, but it, it simply means loving kindness. 
to love mercy. Uh, mercy always triumphs over judgment. So to be a people that do the right thing, even when it costs us, and to love mercy, to love kindness, to love being kind, uh, to extend mercy is incredible. Because why? Because God extended mercy to us when we were sinners, when we were in rebellion to Him. He sent His Son to die for us. And then this week, we want to look at that last part, walking humbly with your God. So splitting it up into two parts. Firstly, uh, walking humbly. To be humble, it means to not be proud or arrogant. So pride is the opposite of humility. To be servant-hearted, to put others before yourself. And it comes down to just practical things as well, to, to honouring people, to be courteous and respectful, to, to, to think of others highly. Um, it's really important to be humble, but it's probably one of those values that we don't see the world, um, you know, the world's not big on humility. Um, the world says it's, it's cool to, you know, step on people in your way up the, the ladder of success or popularity or, or whatever it is. Uh, so I find that uh, the more a, a, a culture or society moves away from the principles and the requirements of God, the more alien uh, the Word of God sounds, the, the, almost the more offensive the, the Word of God, God's standard sounds to, to our fallen nature as we, as we move further and further away from God as a culture. So I just wanna look at James 4 verses 4 to 10, and it really encapsulates this idea of humility. It is hard hitting, uh, but I think it's really good for us to, to, to be reminded of this sort of stuff every once in a while. So James 4 verses 4, You have become spiritual adulterers who are having an affair, an unholy relationship with the world. Don't you know that flirting with the world's values places you at odds with God? So it's not talking about liking people, being friends of people. It's about this, this broken and this uh, satanic, you know, the, the values in, in this world that are far away from God's values. So don't you know that flirting with the world's values places you at odds with God? Whoever chooses to be the world's friend makes himself God's enemy. Does the scripture mean nothing to you that says the spirit that God breathes into our hearts is a jealous lover who intently desires to have more and more of us? But he continues to pour out more and more grace upon us. For it says, God resists you when you are proud, but continually pours out grace when you are humble. Now we've got the world against us. We've got Satan and his demons <laughs> against us. Let's not have God resist us as well. Um, if we're proud, we need to be humble. So he continually pours out grace when you're humble, huge blessings in being humble. So then, Surrender to God, stand up to the devil and resist him and he will flee in agony. Move your heart closer and closer to God and he will come even closer to you. God wants to be close to us. But make sure you cleanse your life, you sinners, and keep your heart pure and stop doubting. Feel the pain of your sin. Be sorrowful and weep. Let your joking around be turned into mourning and your joy into deep humiliation. Be willing to be made low, before the Lord and He will exalt you. There is so much in that, but really the, the seeds of revival are happening when we become truly sorry and repentant for our sins, our rebellion against God. It's easy to misunderstand humility though. Uh, we've got to understand there is a difference between true humility and false humility. Uh, true humility is, is a character quality. It's something on the inside of us. It's a part of us 
but false humility is something that we do in front of others to show that we are humble. It's, it's an outward act, it's, it's a lie, it's, it's not real, it's false. Pride makes us artificial, humility makes us real. And there is a big difference between true humility and false humility. Also, um, you know, you, you read those verses that I, that I read uh, and it sounds like uh, we are to be encouraged to like wallow in self-abasement, you know, to, to be lily-livered and yellow-bellied and, and just be a, a mess of humiliation on the floor and let everyone walk over us. It doesn't mean that at all. Um, humility, it's like, it's diminished self-confidence, but we got to remember that self is, is the big deal there. It's, it's thinking less of ourself, being less aware of self, um, not being self-centered and instead being confident in God, being God confident. C.S. Lewis puts it this way, and I love this. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. And Madeline Lingle puts it this way, humility is throwing oneself away in complete concentration on something or someone else. We know as believers that someone else is Jesus. Remember the Bible says, take up your cross, deny yourself and follow Jesus. It's, humility is amazing. And there is so much blessing in it. Like I said before, Isaiah chapter 57 verse 15 is incredible. For this is what the high and majestic one says, the one who fills the eternal realm with glory, whose name is holy. I dwell in high and holy places but also with the bruised and lowly in spirit, those who are humble and quick to repent. I dwell with them to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of those who are broken over their sins. So God, He's pretty big. He created this universe with His words, but He wants to dwell with the person who's sorry for their sins, who's repentant, who's broken, who hasn't got it all together, who's got some issues, but is wanting to, wanting to follow God wholeheartedly. Just imagine that. God wants to be so close to us. I dwell with them to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of those who are broken over their sin. Monica Baldwin says, what makes humility so desirable is the marvellous thing it does to us. It creates in us a capacity for the closest possible intimacy with God. God wants to walk with us. So that first part is walking humbly with your God, but that second part is walking with your God. Have you ever thought about the privilege that is? You know, all of us, you know, we... We don't idolise, but you know, we'd like to meet some pretty famous people or influential people. And if any of those just rung us up and say, hey, Simon, you wanna go for a walk with me? Like, I'd be dropping everything. I'd be out of, out of here, you know? <laughs> so going in and having a coffee and actually walking with that person. But that's the invitation that God, the creator of the universe, gave every one of us to walk with them. And so often, if you're anything like me, we, we neglect that at times. But let's just think about how big the universe is because like I said, God is the creator of the universe. If our earth was the size of a grain of sand, it means that our solar system, you now all of our planets um, that go around the sun, it would be about four rugby fields, four football fields long. Now, if you got our solar system and shrunk that to the size of a, a, a grain of sand, then our solar, our, sorry, galaxy, our uh, Milky Way galaxy would be about 50 kilometers across. 
if our solar system was a grain of sand. If you shrunk our whole Milky Way galaxy to the size of a grain of sand, then the observable universe would be 400 metres across. And that's just the universe that scientists know of. They reckon it's phenomenally bigger than that. Our universe is huge. God created all of this with just His words. He is so amazing, so huge, so powerful. And yet He wants to walk with me, like close, Absolutely. And he wants to walk with you as well. And uh, I love the story and we don't hear much about him, but Enoch in the Bible, Genesis 5, 24, it says, Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. So he just disappeared, I guess, because God loved him so much, just, just took him one day. Other translations, instead of walking with God, they say he was in close fellowship with God. So we know that walking with God simply means a close daily relationship with God. And again, about Enoch in Hebrews 11, verse five, it says, it was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him for before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. We don't know anything else about Enoch other than he walked closely with God and God was pleased with him. I, I believe that God was so pleased with Enoch simply because Enoch walked with him, that he took the time, that he cultivated that relationship with him. He didn't do anything spectacular other than walked with God. And we can all walk with God. We can all please Him. But I think it's, it's the walking. For some of our relationships with God, it's like you, you, you see a mate down the road, say, hey, how's it going? Hi, you know, how you doing? Great, see you later. Maybe have a coffee sometime and then you go your separate ways. Uh, I think some of us, even as believers, our relationship with God's a little bit like that. We hang out with Him sometimes, maybe on a church or you know, lounge church or when, when we want to need to act all spiritual in front of us. I'm not sure. But then we go our separate ways. That's not walking with God. That's, that's sort of catching up with God every now and then. Walking with God is, is regular and it is ongoing. Um, walking. The, the Proverbs, it says, how can two walk together unless they're in agreement? So our, our life has to agree with God. And, and this is the invitation. This is our purpose as human beings. God created us uh, initially in, in right at the beginning to walk with Him. He, he desired a relationship with us so much and, and us not being forced to have a relationship with Him, but us being willing, wanting to have a relationship with God. And we know back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, he, God created Adam and Eve and He walked with them in the garden. That's what God's original intention was for mankind to walk with God. But Adam and Eve sinned. Now, we've all sinned and sin has a separating effect. We can't really walk with God with unforgiven sin in our lives. Romans 3.23 puts it this way, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Another way to say that is, is we've all sinned and that sin has separated us from God. Even if we wanted to walk close with God, we couldn't really because we've got the stain of sin in our lives. That's not the end of the story. Romans 6, 23, it's so awesome. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know, I always thought that becoming a Christian would be like, sweet, I'm going to heaven when I die. And, and that's it. It's like, I don't have to worry about that anymore. And absolutely to be 
saved, you know, to have eternal life. We've got to give our lives to Jesus and we will have eternal life in the new heavens and the new earth forever and ever. But in a, in a way, eternal life starts now uh, when we get born again. Our walk starts now, our journey starts now. Uh, we don't, just don't have eternal life uh, when we die, but we have the blessing of walking with God and the blessing of righteousness and destiny and purpose, and then seeing how God shapes us and we can use our God-given gifts to be a blessing to others and help them draw closer to God. It, it, it all starts when we are born again. But it says here, the wages of sin is death. So it's not just, again, eternal life. You know, if we die with unforgiven sin and if we die in rebellion with God, you know, we are going to go to hell. And that's not a popular thing to talk about. And hell is eternal. But the wages of sin starts now. If we're walking in rebellion with God, you know, you're not going to have the blessing of God on your life. You're not going to have that, that freedom that, that walking righteously brings and, and the blessing of being able to serve others and, and how God just works everything together for good. You, you can't have that because the wages of sin is death and you start getting paid out. Now, so the wages of sin is death. That's, that's heavy duty and it's bad news, but then it gets so good. The free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. We can start walking with Jesus now. He takes our hand and He starts to lead us to our destiny and our purpose. He makes us God-given. Uh, he, he makes us new creations. And the cool thing is when you're walking closely with God, God doesn't lose us. We can't get lost. Uh, when Jesus is holding our hand. And he says, come follow me. And I don't think it's like Jesus way off in the distance and we're struggling to catch up. We're following him, but we're side by side um, as close friends, um, which is incredible. Henry Ford, of all people, put it this way. Those who walk with God always reach their destination. So in conclusion, the Lord has told you what is good and this is what he requires of you, This is what He requires of me, to do what is right, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Do what is right. We talked about that, loving mercy, loving kindness. We've talked about that, walking humbly. But there's one word, it's so phenomenal, your God, walking with your God. Now, we have parents and um, my dad's passed away now, but you know, I used to call him, my, I still call him my dad. Why? Because he's mine. Uh, he's my dad. I can call him dad. If you're not a part of our family, it would be weird if you called him your dad. Just you don't, uh, because it's a family thing. My dad's my dad. And this is incredible. Walking humbly with your God. When you give your life to God, you can call God your heavenly father. He becomes yours. We get adopted into this incredible family of believers. Uh, God adopts us as His very own children, as His very own sons and daughters. He calls us His and we can call Him ours. That's, that just blows my mind every time. Becomes our God. But if we're not walking with God, if we've never given our life to Jesus, you know, we can't call Him that. He desperately wants us to call Him uh, our Heavenly Father today. And uh, finish off with this and I'll pray with you. Matthew Kelly says, if we will walk humbly with our God, He will lead us by the hand to exactly who and what we need, to those people, things and experiences He has designed and intended for us. And this alone will be the cause of our deep fulfillment and happiness. Thanks so much for listening. 
we hope it was an encouragement to you. To contact us or to find out what's happening at our church, please check out our website, renewchurch.nz.